0: It's an all too familiar and disturbing statistic. Alaska is one of the most dangerous states in the nation for women. Nearly 60% of all adult women here have reported experiencing violence or sexual violence or both. The rate of rape is two and a half times higher than the national average. These are not just numbers. They represent lives that have been harmed and those harms ripple out to family and community. We'll discuss the ongoing work to protect Alaskan women today on Talk of Alaska.
1: Talk of Alaska is brought to you in part by your local public radio station.
2: People who smoke or have smoking related conditions like lung and heart disease are more likely to get seriously ill from COVID-19. Not using any tobacco or e-cigarette products is one of the best ways to keep your immune system strong, ready to fight all kinds of viruses. If you decide to quit, help is available. Call Alaska's Tobacco Quitline at 1-800-QUIT-NOW or text READY to 200-400 to get the support you need to quit for good. This message sponsored by Alaska's Tobacco Quitline. The Alaska Travel Industry Association provides leadership and guidance to Alaska's tourism businesses for how to operate safely across the state. Members can access updated industry resources related to COVID-19 at alaskatia.org. This message sponsored by ATIA.
1: The views expressed on this program are those of the participants and not necessarily those of Alaska Public Media, this station, or its underwriters.
0: Hello, it's Talk of Alaska. I'm Lori Townsend. The FBI reports that violent crime has been on a downward trend since it peaked in the 1990s, but the rates of violence against women in Alaska have remained stubbornly high through the decades, despite numerous attempts by community advocates and state leaders to address it. Why does Alaska continue to rank within the 10 states that lead the nation in rates of violence against women, and how will two newly established councils work to help bring it down? Here to help describe the council's mandates and mission is Brenda Stanfill, the vice chair of the Governor's Council on Human and Sex Trafficking. Brenda is also the executive director of the Alaska Network on Domestic Violence and Sexual Assault. She joins us by phone. Jennifer Brown is also on the line. She is the communications and development director for Standing Together Against Rape, also known as STAR. And in the studio with me, it's so great to have guests again, <laughs> is Stacy Yates. Stacy is the director of Human Trafficking Recovery. Services for Alaska Stop Human Trafficking Alliance. Welcome, all of you. And Stacy. great to have you here. Thank you so much. Yes. And hello, Jennifer and Brenda. Can good, they... morning. Oh, they so good morning. Oh, there they are. Hello. <laughs> hello. Thank you. So you can also join our conversation. What do you think is needed to address the rates of violence against women? Do you live in a community that doesn't have local resources to help people in trauma? Do you think we need tougher laws, more officers, or something else to end the violence? You can call us statewide at 1-800-478-8255. That number again is 1-800-478-8255. If you're in Anchorage, the local number is 550-8422, 550-8422. You can also email us, talk at alaskapublic.org. So, Stacy, because I can see you right across the desk from me, I'm going to start with you. Okay. <laughs> you were appointed by Governor Dunleavy to the Council on Human and Sex Trafficking. Correct. Tell us what the council has been tasked with and how you think it will uh, work to address these high rates.
3: Well, I'm really excited to be a part of this council. Um, We actually have our first meeting next week, so we'll be working on our agenda and our subcommittees. But I can tell you, I am very excited to be on there. I am really looking to uh, get more law enforcement training for law enforcement to recognize the signs of human and sex trafficking. I think that's really huge. And I chair a Coalition Called ASHTA, Alaska Stop Human Trafficking Alliance. And we are actually bringing up speakers for law enforcement to get us better trained to recognize symptoms uh, and signs of trafficking. And uh, I believe this will be a really important piece of that. And then also, uh, I'm really excited about maybe getting education in our schools for our children to learn the signs of being groomed. Because if they can see and understand when they're being groomed, whether in person or online, then they can have the tools to save themselves, but they can also save others. And I think that's really going to be huge. That is such an important piece, too. We uh, did a
0: program recently on Alaska Inside, our television public affairs show, about uh, a short documentary that was produced here called... A million strangers in their pocket, mm-hmm. and about the dangers to youth of online trafficking predators looking to do exactly that: groom them and um, come here and meet them, or entice them somewhere else. So another layer of of complexity and problems for. Uh, parents and and adults who care about young people um, to deal with so uh, it's that kind of training is so needed
3: yes yes I I, I totally agree Uh, I have six children and uh, five are teens and so I'm constantly talking to my teens straight up about things about online and about grooming and uh, and they come to me when something weird comes on the line you know somebody chatting with them weird And uh, it's just really important for parents and grandparents and counselors and teachers to recognize all of that and uh, and set these kids up for success and, and to be safe.
0: Yes. And parents and grandparents, um, make sure you have all those passwords to all of their, your teens accounts. Um, my granddaughter lived with me for a while and you know, I would be checking things. I'm Snoopy. And yes. I'll look. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Brenda, I want to turn to you now you've been appointed as vice chair of this council. There have been many past attempts at various programs, Choose Respect, many others. The numbers remain terrible. How do you see these newly launched efforts changing things?
4: Well... One of the things that I discovered, um, I just moved into my position on the Alaska Network on Domestic Violence and Sexual Assault as their director. But before this, I was in Fairbanks as the executive director of the Interior Alaska Center for Navigate Living. And during that time, we were looking at the issue of sex trafficking and human trafficking um, because we knew it was out there and we were seeing it come into our shelters, but it's not really being talked about it's not being pro- it's not I, I don't want to say promoted but you know sometimes awareness as you bring awareness people will say oh wait that actually is what happened to me sometimes things happen to us and we can't even put a name to it and so we would have people who will come in and say I need shelter and we would start talking to them and find out that you know this is somebody who was brought to our country in a way uh, through the internet or different ways and actually this was you know Sex. This was human trafficking. They were working in domestic servitude, basically through a relationship or uh, the sex trafficking issue. You know, definitely somebody would blame themselves. The well, I'm doing drugs, and this is how I get my drugs, and not recognizing what was happening. And so, just the the awareness first off, setting up. A commission, and right there elevates the awareness. Right there, you get the word out that this is something Alaska cares about. And then, in addition to that, the commission can start studying what is happening. And so, you know, this group will be really looking at the work that the 2013 group did when they formed the task force and did a lot of work to pull information together. What's happened between now and then? And then, really looking at our current what What do we currently have out there that we offer? How are we making awareness? How How are we bringing awareness? to our communities? How are we making sure that people understand what sex trafficking, human trafficking really is? When we started writing a grant for this in Fairbanks, and we started trying to even find numbers. There was no numbers. There was, there was nobody that was really collecting anything that could say, this is what it looks like in Alaska. It's tremendously underreported. So this commission is going to be doing that work to pull together what we know and identify what we don't know in really a nutshell of what we're going to be doing. And I think based on that, once we know what we know and we don't know, we can start crafting our next steps in order to reach where we we'd like to reach, which is definitely identifying what that is, making sure that our communities are aware of what that is, and what resources and services do we need to make sure individuals have in order to get out of the situation that they're in.
0: All right. Thank you for that, Brenda. If you're just joining us, this is Talk of Alaska, and today we're talking about two new councils that are just getting underway, one on human and sex trafficking and another on missing and murdered Indigenous persons. In the studio with me is Stacey Yates. Stacy is the Director of Human Trafficking Recovery Services and Alaska Stop Human Trafficking Alliance. Jennifer Brown and Brenda Stanfill are on the phone. Jennifer is a Communications and Development Director for Standing Together Against Rape, or STAR. And Brenda is the Vice Chair of the Governor's Council on Human and Sex Trafficking and the Executive Director of the Alaska Network on Domestic Violence and Sexual Assault. You can join our conversation if you have a question or a comment, you need resources and want to reach out and find out where they are. 1-800-478-8255 is that number statewide. 1-800-478-8255. In Anchorage, the number is 550-8422, 550-8422. And you can also reach us by email if you don't want to call in, talk at alaskapublic.org. Jennifer, your work at STAR is all about raising awareness and funding programs. Describe the work that STAR does to help women in crisis.
5: Um, well, it, the heart of what we do starts with our 24-hour crisis line, and that's how uh, most people get to us. We have um, immediate crisis response where we dispatch advocates to emergency uh, exams for people who have been assaulted uh, to make sure that those people know what their rights are, and to provide resources and referrals to to basic needs, really. Um, and then we do long term support as well, including free trauma therapy, support groups, um, and ongoing ongoing case management. The other side of what we do is prevention and education. So STAR prevention and education specialists uh, work with classrooms in the Anchorage School District and other school districts throughout the state with age appropriate presentations to kids on how to keep their bodies safe, healthy boundaries, what healthy relationships look like, that sort of thing. Um, That team also presents to workplaces to give presentations to adults on sexual harassment Awareness and uh, bystander intervention, uh, those sorts of things.
0: All right, thank you. Stacey, uh, turning back to you now, the work that STAR does is important, supporting people in crisis. But how can the Council aimed at addressing violence against women and the Council on Missing and Murdered Indigenous People work to ensure? But we don't need them in the future. Efforts to change these problems have been difficult for decades. And wouldn't it be great if we could work Jennifer out of a job? Oh,
3: that would be awesome, right? <laughs> Sorry, Jennifer. <laughs> I mean, I really, I just really think it all comes down to education and to our children and teaching the kids, you know, to have some trusted adults to come and talk to when these things are happening. A lot of kids don't know that this is wrong, a lot of times, this is generational. And if they have some resources themselves, the children, to go and reach out for help. And uh, I think that would really be huge. And, and
0: why do you think Alaska is so plagued by this? What do you see as some of the biggest contributors to these crimes? Is it alcohol, learned behavior from seeing violence as a child, financial problems, creating too much stress? Is it all of these things? Uh, I would say all the above,
3: mm-hmm. really, here in Alaska. That's what we've been seeing.
0: Brenda, your thoughts here about some of the root causes.
3: You no, know, we're we're
4: learning a lot more about root causes. And um, I know working in the field of domestic violence for many years, we used to say, you know, this is learned behavior. And as we learn more, what we've discovered is this is a this is a response to trauma. So while we would call it learned behavior because they were seeing this at home, oftentimes while they were growing up, what we discovered is actually that the brain is being changed. As a result of the trauma that's being experienced, um, so you know this is where I feel like we have to step back when we talk about why have we been doing all this work for the last? I mean, I've been in this work for 25 years. It was going on before I began, but are we still have record high numbers? As you as you noted. But oftentimes we're coming in with the band-aids, we're making sure that they are safe shelters, we're making sure that people can get housing and resources and job training and all of these different ones, but it's the prevention that's going to take us somewhere and Jennifer touched on that about what they're starting to do in the schools, uh, what they're starting to do with our youth, There's, there's programs out there that are stepping up, but really going back and looking at all of the pieces and parts that our children experience as they're growing up and recognizing the trauma that leads to this, because when we talk about does alcohol cause this alcohol is related to a trauma response alcohol is a numbing there's there's all kinds of things and so while these things contribute to what's happening with violence against women in our states. Um, it ties back to a much larger issue we you know you need to get into the conversation of historical trauma and all of the things that alaska experiences and so it's it's a very but we can go back and undo that if we start really focusing our efforts on our youth and our children and making sure that they are not exposed to the things that our current generation has been exposed to
0: jennifer I cited in the beginning of the program a nearly 60 percent rate of violence against women in Alaska that's been reported or self-reported. In your experience working with STAR, does that number accurately reflect the true number? I I know from my own personal experience as a teenager, I was assaulted repeatedly and know very few women who have not had at least fear of a violent episode or one actually happening to them at some point in their life. Do you think it's a much higher percentage than 60? I,
5: I think it might be, um, but we don't know what we don't know. So um,
0: yeah, it's a good know, it's, point. it's really,
5: it's really difficult to count the numbers of people who are out there struggling and not, not reaching out for support. Um, So I can personally assume that those numbers are higher, but we don't know how much higher.
0: Right. Absolutely. Stacy, will the councils work with other similar organizations nationally to see where successes have happened and try to replicate some of those best practices? Or is Alaska sort of too distant and difficult to sort of compare to what's happening there.
3: Well, uh, Alaska is indeed different, right? But we have been looking nationally to see what is working in other cities and places, correct? But uh, I really think Alaska is unique. Brenda, what do you think?
4: I I agree. I think that we can learn a lot from uh, different places, things that have worked, things that haven't worked, where we avoid some pitfalls. But I think we have to wrap in the the once again, you know how many places experience living in in rural communities where you cannot get to anywhere for assistance. um, And sometimes nobody can get to you for three to four days. And we are so unique in what's going on with our state that I think that we can learn. But I think we're going to have to really come up with some innovative, you know, everyone likes to talk about evidence-based. But I think in Alaska, we're going to have to create uh, something that's innovative based (laughs) and really look at what needs to happen to best serve
0: Alaskans. All right. Thank you for that. Um, it, again, if you're just joining us, we're talking about <clears throat> ways to end violence and sexual assault in Alaska, a, a chronic and, and a terrible problem in our state for a very long time. We have Stacey Yates, Jennifer Brown, and Brenda Stanfill with us to discuss two new councils that have been formed that will address issues of trafficking and uh, both labor and sex trafficking and um, uh, council on missing and murdered indigenous people. You can join our conversation if you have questions or comments. 1-800-478-8255 is the number statewide. 1-800-478-8255. In Anchorage, 550-8422. Five five zero eight four two two. You can also email us, talk at alaskapublic.org. We had hoped to have Valerie Chadwick join us this morning. Valerie is the chair of the Council on Missing and Murdered Indigenous Persons. She couldn't come on today, but we did speak to her earlier. She's been working in social services for 30 years, and she said when she was a teenager and saw the Anchorage Daily News series in the 1980s, about the struggles in rural Alaska called People in Peril. It deeply affected her and set her future plans.
6: I needed to not be a person in peril. I needed to do something to help other people escape that, escape that stigma. I I don't know what else to call it, but I really felt like, okay, I need to be part of a solution. How can we help each other?
0: Valerie said all social service work is intertwined and she is glad the crisis conversation is on the national level now and not just in Alaska.
6: And I think over the past 30 years, I've seen such an increase and in such a support to our Native community in really, truly understanding all of the social impacts that we've been we've been facing and at the same time, healing in our own
0: in our own being such a powerful statement facing the effects of violence in communities working for change while also working on healing personally from layers of personal and generational trauma Jennifer talk about those layers of trauma for women who come in for assistance from Star Um well every everyone is
5: is different uh, based on their upbringing and experience. So we've seen everything from people who have been, you know, assaulted and they reach out for help right away. We also hear from folks who are struggling with historical trauma, will be triggered by something that's on the news or in the media about sexual assault and that kind of brings up some of those old unresolved issues from when they were perhaps a child Uh, So generational trauma is is definitely a a factor. Um, And then, you know, I I love that Valerie said that these social services are so intertwined because there's so many factors that fly in. I know we keep on bringing up alcoholism, but that's just just one because it is a, a coping mechanism for survivors sometimes and quite often. So we see these, those and with alcoholism and especially family alcoholism come those extra layers of um, dependence and values and all of those sorts of things. Um, And then um, Alaska being unique as well, uh, it can be a very isolating place to be, whether someone lives in a rural village or, you know, we get a lot of military folks living up here where the military wives don't have necessarily a family support system. So we deal with those factors, those factors as well.
0: Stacy, there's uh, some things happening nationally. Um, Valerie Chadwick referenced, you know, a, a broader call for justice. Late last month, the governor of Washington state signed a law for an alert system for missing and murdered indigenous women or persons. Other governors have expressed interest in that. And the Violence Against Women Act, or VAWA reauthorization, empowers a number of Alaska tribal courts to prosecute non-Native perpetrators of these types of crimes. Talk about the importance of this type of momentum and what changes when more light is shed on crimes that too often have stayed hidden.
3: Well, I mean, that's that's great that they've got those numbers going for, you know, missing, murdered uh, indigenous persons. uh, That is huge. And uh, I'm just really glad uh, to be a part of this council that can actually create some things like this for our state as well. Correct. And um, Brenda, I'm going to refer to you.
0: Brenda, what are your what are your thoughts about this? Uh, this more momentum building out um, the governor, as I mentioned, of Washington state, uh, setting up an alert system and the VAWA reauthorization that sets up tribal courts to persecute, prosecute um, perpetrators of these types of crimes, uh, even non-native perpetrators. And the,
4: um, we have a wonderful uh Group that has been working for a while uh, on the issue of missing and, and murdered Indigenous peoples, and it's really great that this has uh, been recognized. One of the things that they have also been looking at—it's called the system, IPAWS system, um, IPAWS—and it is an alert system that, when someone goes missing, there can be alerts sent out. You know, similar to uh, the alerts that that we have for other, you know, the other types of uh, when people go missing and this also would work well for alaska in the way it could connect and so uh, with our with how we communicate in rural areas this would work throughout alaska vowel reauthorization was you know that was a big that was a big change Um, that was something that has been in the works for a while and it'll take a little bit for the tribal courts to figure out what that is but that does allow them to step in and say we're going to provide um, the, the resources we're going to provide the community with some safety that they are needing. And by doing that, by taking back that ability to hold people accountable within the rural community, within the tribal courts, that will be, um, that will be a step in the right direction for us bringing in additional um, supports into our rural communities. It'll take a bit for that to get set up, but that definitely the passage of BAWA was a step in the right direction for the way that the that the women who've been working on this for a long time. And there is a wonderful group of Alaska Native Women's Resource Center is out there and has been working on this and has done amazing things throughout the state of Alaska. And this is one of their primary things that they've been working on is making sure they can bring what they need to bring into their rural communities to um, achieve safety.
0: All right, let's go to the phones for a moment. Brenda is endearing. Hello, Brenda.
6: Oh, thank you for taking my call. Um, My name is Brenda. I live here in Deering. Um, I used to be a health aide in this region for 25 years. And my sister Roberta is a behavioral health counselor here. And One day we were talking and everybody, we were saying, everybody talks to the girls, don't dress provocatively and don't do things like that. And I made a comment, we all talk to the girls, but nobody talks to the boys. And I told her, I think I'm going to do that. And so I went to the school, and I talked to the principal, and I asked him about it. And he said, go ahead. And and, um, I told him about an incident or two that happened to me. I went down to Dallas right out of high school and went to nursing school. And um, I, I was raped a couple times, and I told the kids about that. And I told them how I felt, how it made me feel, and everything like that and um I hope they heard me, I hope they listened and another time I went to the school and um I told them we don't people don't have to be victims if somebody a guy or somebody is gonna threaten you um You can do something to protect yourself. And with guys, you can kick them between the legs. They won't want to do anything for a while after that. And so I told them that too. So we're not, we don't have to be victims. We're not victims. We can stand up because we're strong. Women in Alaska are strong and, I just hope everybody remembers that, and I want to thank you for letting me come on this program today. Thanks. Bye. Brenda,
0: well, Brenda, thank you for the call, and I'm very sorry about the assault that happened to you, Um, even though it was clearly a long time ago. Those things stay with us, as I know and as you know, and I do think it's very important for us to share those stories, though, so that people know this is real, and uh, these harms do happen to people that you know, people that— live next door to you or that you work with or in your own family. And you may know about it, you may not, but it's very real and we need to bring the numbers down. Let's um, remember too that, excuse me. The number again is 1-800-478-8255 statewide. That's 1-800-478-8255. In Anchorage, the local number is 550-8422, 550-8422. We also know that it's not just women and girls who are preyed upon the CDC reports that Alaska native and American Indian men are missing and murdered at a higher rate than women. How will the council work to ensure all people are safe? Uh, Brenda, do you want to take that?
4: So I'm not actually on the missing and murdered indigenous people's council. So I'm just going to, um, just, I'm going to say a little bit, if it's okay, about what I believe that their statutory is. Would that be helpful? That would be helpful. Okay, because one of the things is um, they're looking for being able to do a, um, you know, there's a request in that they would be able to do enhanced services where they would have a missing persons clearinghouse staff increase because one of the things is that that's a lot of work to be able to keep up with everything and making sure it is. There's uh, some tribal liaison positions to be able to better know what's happening um, and to be able to, to better communicate and then also to create this governor's council on the missing and murdered indigenous peoples. That has been introduced in session. And then um, the group itself uh, will be focusing a lot upon the same the same things that will be happening with all of the councils, where you're really trying to engage and create, collect the data and learn what we don't know, and then come up with with a strategy to go forward. And oftentimes, through through the years of working on different commissions, you know that's really a big thing is bringing all the people together that have all the knowledge. Because just as I'm sitting here, I'm learning things from the other presenters that I that I didn't know, and, and um, so I think that that's one of the things is bringing bringing everyone to the table to really talk about the missing. A murder to Indigenous peoples through this council and then being able to plan for going forward.
0: All right. Thank you for that rundown. And uh, we need to take a quick break. When we come back, we will um, get back to the phones. Alex and Ketchikan, hope you can hang on. We'll get to your call after we take a quick break as Talk of Alaska continues statewide.
1: Talk of Alaska is brought to you in part by your local public radio station.
2: As new COVID variants spread, vaccines can help protect you and your community from severe illness. A booster shot provides additional protection, especially for those at higher risk. If you're 12 and older and it's been five months since your last Pfizer or Moderna dose, or two months since your Johnson and Johnson vaccine, you are now eligible for a booster. Learn more at covidvax.alaska.gov. This message sponsored by the Department of Health and Social Services.
0: Welcome back to Talk of Alaska. We're talking about ending violence and sexual violence, sexual assault in our state for the health of everyone, for the well-being of all people, all Alaskans, and uh, how that ripples out and um, can help elevate everyone. 1-800-478-8255 is the number statewide if you'd like to join our conversation. 1-800-478-8255. In Anchorage, the local number is 550-8422, 550-8422, You can also email us, talk at org. Before the break, we were talking about um, who comprises what we consider victims, and it's much broader than just women and girls. Of course, we know that. Let's uh, hear now from Alex and Ketchikan. Hello, Alex.
7: Hi. Thank you for having me on the show. Uh, so... I came up here from uh, Louisiana, and I was in a household with a few different stepdads that were awfully abusive, and uh, I never really knew my real dad, and uh, I had a relation here that resulted in a some a child, and I tried to go through the courts to see be able to see my kid, and even though no acts of um, domestic violence or anything happened, the implication or just oh i'm scared i'm scared of him i'm scared of him was enough to be able to keep me uh, from the child and then uh, her sister barged into my apartment and attacked me and the cop treated me like i was like i wasn't a real man because i i wanted to press charges on her for walking in and assaulting me and then on july the 4th i saw my child out and about and even though i hadn't been able to see him in 2 years for Less than 40 hours because of the court order, I was. Um, I would, They started screaming, and I was hit with an empty, by the way, stroller. And um, the second time they went to hit me with the stroller, I tossed the stroller away so it couldn't be used as a weapon against me. And I was arrested. And because I used to be married to her sister, I am under federal law. If I were to plea out for this, this assault by fear. I would no longer be able to have my gun rights. And I'm just wondering, you know, I I know what not having a father in the home did to me and the overcompensating and whatnot that I had to overcome over the years and the internal work I had to do. I'm just wondering if the current um, heavy narrative we have and the heavy laws we have are going to, over generations, take us um, further down uh, the hole where we have men who look for paternal guidance and they tend to uh, overcompensate and do things that they shouldn't do. And if you had any thoughts to that.
0: All right, Alex, thank you for the call. Um, As we know, the legal system is complicated and things happen. uh, Oftentimes people have to make decisions. uh, Officers have to make decisions in a moment of crisis. It's not easy. Uh, And it's, you know, his point about having a father in the home for himself and and wanting to be a father for his own child. We can hear the frustration in his voice. Any thoughts about uh, where we're at and and how all people need to be, you know, protected under the law? It's not as if we want to see people uh, lose rights that they have. But we also know, there is no questioning, the rates of violence that we are experiencing. And um, even though, as we acknowledged before, there are uh, high rates of murder, uh, even higher rates against indigenous men and boys than women, the largest group of people who have violence perpetrated against them are generally women. Stacey, when you um, think about the work that you do uh, in human trafficking and sex trafficking, is that uh, work and do you think the councils will, in, in, in addition with working with um, your organizations that are already up and running, coordinate with other national groups and share information that could help find and stop violent offenders who may travel to different states. A a serial killer who I won't name was caught here a few years ago after killing a young woman in Anchorage. But he'd been killing in other states for a number of years. Are efforts to share crime information across state lines
3: improving? Hmm. Well, you know, I've uh, actually just been, you know, just been appointed to the governor's council and we're getting ready to have our first meeting. So I'm really uh, unsure about that question. So I am going to uh, have to get back to you on that one.
0: And the, But the work that you're doing in trafficking, does your organization work with other groups outside of Alaska?
3: Actually, we we have not. We've been working strictly within Alaska. Um, I have had uh, a, one case where someone called me from Florida that had an Alaskan girl down there who had been trafficked, and they rescued her, and they were looking for a way to get her back up here, and so we were working with them to coordinate that, but uh, that's as far as I have actually worked outside of Alaska.
0: So is most of your work—that's interesting to me because I would expect that— the trafficking would uh, be taking women, boys, whoever they're targeting, outside of the state often as well. But is that not the case? Are you finding that most of the time... It's people being trafficked trafficked within the state moving from one community to another.
3: Well, I have been with my house uh, where I've been working for a year and a half. And what I've been seeing there, it's been mostly inside of Alaska, though I have seen two cases where it was from Alaska to Utah and Utah back to Alaska. But we know that that's going on. Uh, They move them around quite often uh, within Alaska, but of course outside of the state. But personally, I have not come across that too many times. Um, But uh, I'm sure that that does happen. Mm -hmm. Jennifer,
0: um, in your work with STAR, uh, one of the things that Valerie Chadwick, who we heard from earlier and couldn't join us today, but she expressed feeling overwhelmed when she found out about the backlog of sexual assault kits, rape kits. What can you tell us about the efforts that have been ongoing to deal with that backlog of sexual assault evidence kits? What's known about that?
5: Um, well, I don't have specific, specific information on the numbers on that, but I do know that that is um, less of a problem now because of all the things that are happening um, through legislative action. So that would probably be more of a law enforcement question or a Department of Public Safety question as far as where they're at. But I do know that uh, things are in the works to get more people trained in the crime lab. There are bills that are moving through that address that that sexual assault uh, kits have to be tested within a certain amount of time. What they're aiming for right now is uh, six months which is a step in the right direction. Mm. I, I do believe, Stacey,
3: yes, yes I, I I do believe that uh, all the sexual assault kits have been cleared. Uh, I believe there was 2,400 of them that have been cleared. And so uh, the governor mandated backlogs are finished within 90 days, and we did that. We cleared them within 90 days. Okay, so
0: we're current right now from the information that you're sharing. Correct. Okay. 1-800- <laughs> That's the number statewide. 1-800-478-8255. If you're in Anchorage, the local number is 550-8422, 550-8422. You can also email us, talk at alaskapublic.org. Let's go back to the phones for a moment. Mary Ellen is in Homer. Hello.
5: Hi. Hi. I have a question regarding a group of women that I don't think have been addressed. Um, and these are women from other
6: countries
5: um, who, who have been coerced into marriage to come here by their
6: husbands
5: um, and then trapped in bad, sometimes terrible situations. I have a friend and I know of three other situations. So to me, this is legal human trafficking Um, And I'd just like to know whether your organization uh, reaches out to women like this, has any, you know, has any program, has suggestions.
0: All right, Mary Ellen, thank you for the call. Uh, Brenda, any idea, any guidance there about this, um, what she's talking about, brides coming over and then finding themselves trapped?
4: Uh, We we have seen this um, for many years now, and when you you know not familiar with this country, oftentimes uh, having to do with immigration issues and visas and someone really can feel like they're they're trapped and it can be very exploited in the human trafficking area. Again, I think this is something that we just have not given a name. So people come over and they feel like that they're married and then they definitely are in a situation that is abusive. Um, what I would say right now, we do have to, you know, 24 programs around the state of Alaska that provide services in our rural, in our urban areas, and also out into the. When I say urban, you know, I consider Bethel kind of urban, and then they serve 52 villages. But um, we have programs around the state that can assist in these because definitely, when you look at the definition of abuse and who these programs serve. Those women who have been brought to this country and in that way qualify, they should reach out to their programs for services. They also can help them with immigration. There's some special conditions, but we also need to really start talking about this because, you know, when we, uh, the caller started out with, you know, there's a group of women we're not talking about. And I feel like that oftentimes, these women don't see themselves as the definition of domestic abuse. When we really talk about domestic abuse, they oftentimes our communities think of that as the um, as the punch or the slap or the very intensive type of violence. When abuse is very broad, so definitely to the caller, if you ha- if you know someone, we have a wonderful program in Homer uh, that serves victims of domestic violence, the, the Haven House. Please connect them and make sure that they can get the services that they need. Um, a lot of immigration services, just a lot of things to be able to assist.
0: Right. And it's important to, to note those uh, more subtle things, such as controlling someone's access to their money or their, um, their driver's license, their ID, so that they can't leave, uh, or m- mandating that they can't have any privacy, that you read all their texts and emails and things, That level of control is abusive, and um, people shouldn't have to be subjected to that. They should have the freedom to do the things that they want. Brenda, sticking with you for just a moment, the Alaska Council on Domestic Violence and Sexual Assault released a report last fall after a survey of 2,100 Alaskan women on rates of victimization and found a more than 14% increase from the 2015 survey. Do you think that number... the the increases because of the added stress of the pandemic or how should we think about that documented additional violence?
4: You know, this is one that I think we all struggle with. We had started seeing a downward trend and then we started seeing an upward trend. And, um, you know, you don't know what all has changed, but what we do know is that the, the pandemic, the situations that individuals were living in, um, the way that people got fearful of leaving their homes to go into a a shelter setting or into a, a any even a program that could help them. Oftentimes, people were staying and and were stuck. And when you live with someone who is uh, controlling and abusive, and then they stop going to work, then it there's even more control and more abuse because you have no opportunity to even get out of the house to escape. And so I do believe that our timing for doing that victimization survey was during the time of of COVID. And there was a lot going on in our communities. We had been seeing that downward trend. We're still doing some really good work. And I will tell you that I got to sit through a presentation that STAR did Uh, Last week during a lunch and learn and um, they presented on the work that they're doing in the schools about consent and about respect and it was just amazing what we're doing and so I do believe that we are going the right direction. But I do believe we have had a really hard two years, and that had a tremendous impact on those who are being abused in their homes.
0: Do you think that that could reflect just growing awareness? Um, You know, we were talking about women who come over here to marry someone and may find themselves trapped. Do you think that that might be part of the increase in reporting as people realizing, hey, wait a minute, this isn't a healthy situation, and I, I do need help?
4: And yes, when we're talking about increase in reporting, especially when we're talking about increase in reporting to law enforcement, they, um, we always say when we start doing this outreach, don't expect numbers to go down, expect numbers to go up. Uh, People are going, um, I remember one time years ago when there was some things going on and people started talking about domestic violence more, and I, I have to say that I really appreciate that they're promoting this People's First Initiative and elevating these issues because, Talking about these issues says to our community, this is safe to talk about. There's so much stigma and so much shame in being victimized and in, 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 with sexual abuse, with sexual assault, with rape, you know, whatever we, we name that with domestic assault. For some reason, the victim is the one that bears so much shame in so many ways. And, um, you know, being able to talk about this through the the People's First Initiative and other things that have happened in our state. One time someone said, this is the first time I feel it's safe to say even the words in my community that I experienced sexual assault. And so have all of the other women in in my village, all the other women, we just don't know how to say it. Mm -hmm. And so I think we have to start talking about this and yes, Our numbers are going to go up as we define what domestic violence is. You did just such a great job in talking about it's not just that physical violence. It's all these other control ways. People start saying, oh, actually, that's me. And so we're going to see more people identify that the abuse is happening in their home as we start talking about it more. So you may you may be very right that that's a a tie into that number.
0: All right. Well, thank you. We're going to take another quick break. When we come back, we'll take more questions and discuss the ways to end violence in our state as Talk of Alaska continues statewide.
1: Talk of Alaska is brought to you in part by your local public radio station.
2: NEA Alaska is a professional education association representing over 11,000 of Alaska's dedicated public school employees. NEA Alaska members are united in their commitment to provide an excellent education for every student regardless of background or zip code. Together, NEA Alaska members work with colleagues, parents, and their communities to build strong public schools that are productive, safe, and welcoming to all. Learn more at neaalaska.org and help NEA Alaska reach, teach, and inspire all Alaska students. This message sponsored by NEA Alaska. Alaska's unique approach to mental health funding is improving the lives of Alaskans who experience behavioral health conditions and developmental disabilities. The Alaska Mental Health Trust Authority has a responsibility to generate revenue from its 1 million acres of land and the resources they contain. The trust uses this revenue to help fund statewide programs and initiatives that positively impact trust beneficiaries. To learn more, visit alaskamentalhealthtrust.org. This message sponsored by the Alaska Mental Health Trust.
0: Welcome back to Talk of Alaska. We're discussing ways to end violence and sexual violence in our state for the health and well being of everyone who lives here because harms to one individual do not just stay with that individual. They ripple out and affect other family members, communities, they affect everyone's well being. So we all need, we all have an investment in this and all need to work together to end this violence. 1-800-478-8255 is the number if you'd like to join our conversation. 1-800-478-8255. That's the number statewide. In Anchorage, it's 550-8422. 550-8422. You can also email us, talk at alaskapublic.org. As uh, Mackenzie did, Mackenzie sends an email from Fairbanks. She says, I've been seeing more and more human trafficking flyers in the bathrooms of airports the past few years, they list a number, but there are no public phones available in the bathrooms. Should we assume people being trafficked don't have a phone or have privacy to make these calls outside of the bathrooms? Is this being addressed? Um, and then writes, thank you. Stacey, uh, we were talking during the break about, yeah, there are no public phones. it I, I've railed about that for a very long time because I think that is an important public service that our governments should um, help provide.
3: Yes. And I i mean, that is one thing on the top of my list is public awareness campaigns and <clears throat> excuse me, and getting the posters up and flyers up in the bathrooms of the airports. But there must be a landline in there for them to use to call for help. Because once they read those posters and then if they self-identify as a victim, because remember victims don't self-identify so you have to put on the language you know if you're being threatened if this or that's happening to you and then they need a phone in there to be able to call for help and let's do an awareness campaign for like all the bus stops and cabs and uh, all those places and uh, in the valley we've already put up posters in bars and in restaurants and all the and, and all the bathrooms and convenience stores and getting those numbers out but you're correct there needs to be a phone.
0: Mm-hmm. Let's turn to another email now. Tim writes, uh, the trafficking problem has been on my radar for years, but practical steps the general public can take to help are not easily available. Tim writes, more specifically, as a truck driver, I have come across girls as I travel who are clearly in distress, but find my attempts to help are often met with fear. Not surprising. Uh, He goes on to say, I would like to help, but finding assistance for victims in crisis in the moment is not easy. What resources and training are available for those of us who want to make a difference? Uh, Such an excellent question for people who are out there. Meeting uh, people who are in these situations at truck stops and other places. Right. What well, would you recommend?
3: Yes. Well, there 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 is a one eight hundred number that you can call to report suspicious activity, and then they will reach out to the local law enforcement to go and to look. And that number is 1-888-373-788. Or you can also text HELP or INFO to 233-733, and a live person will come on and start texting with you and say, are you in a safe place to text? And then they will start asking you questions of either are you a victim or what are you seeing?
0: Give us that 888 number again because I think we're missing one number. Sure.
3: It's 1-888-373-7888. Okay, 7888.
0: Thank you for that.
3: (laughs) Brenda, um, turning back to you,
0: what should the state, in your estimation, do to work more cooperatively with tribes on crime, especially in communities that have no local law enforcement?
4: Boy, you know, that one is, it might be, that question might be bigger than me. I'll just say that, um, you know, it's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of uh, back and forth between the states in terms of logistics of of doing that. And I do believe that that would be something that is going to take a while to work out. I do feel like the state has a commitment, the tribes have a commitment to making that work. So I do believe that we're going to see some movement in the right direction in, in futures. But I find that I would have to defer to someone else. And I'm not sure that anyone else on the on here would be the right person
0: that that's fine let's go back to the the survey that we discussed earlier the survey asked about adverse childhood experiences referred to as aces why is it important to look at childhood trauma when we're talking about violence against adults brenda do you want to take that
4: Sure, that you know, uh, it was interesting. I was looking at the, that victimization survey, and they said, you know, women who were possibly Alaska Mental Health Trust beneficiaries were two times more likely to have experienced four or more adverse childhood experiences, which is those ACE scores. Um, and then it also says, three out of four women who were Alaska mental health trust beneficiaries experienced intimate partner violence, sexual violence for both in their lifetime. And so, you know, we see a connection. And then we also know that if this is leading to increased incidences of violence against that person, and we also know that mental health trust beneficiaries, oftentimes our behavioral health issues are created from the trauma we've experienced during our childhood. This is why we've got to go back and address the trauma, because whether that, Be that you become the individual doing the abusing of your family or or your community or doing harm, or you the person who's being harmed. We do know that trauma that trauma in the background um, has everything to do with it, and that's where your adverse childhood experiences scores start coming in. Is that um, there's all kinds of things you're more highly uh, suspect of, of experiencing if you have been experienced trauma as a child, and so again can't say enough. I I just, the big prevention word, if we really want to stop this, if we really want to find a solution, we have to actually go the direction of prevention in a hardcore way while we still continue to retain the services that we're providing for adults because adults are still experiencing this. And it's going to take that generational change as we change the tide and some of the law changes that are in, again, as the, uh, the initiative that's going first, the People's First Initiative is really looking at how do we change some laws to ensure that we have the right laws on the books, and then how do we make sure that we're we're doing the right outreach and trauma? Getting getting to the root of the trauma is is key.
0: We often hear we only have a couple of minutes left here. Uh, we often hear why does she stay, or um, why are they in this situation? As if it's uh, her fault for hanging around someone who can't control their anger, rather than asking the perpetrator. Why can't you control your anger? Why are you violent? There is so much more light on these problems now. Where do you see positive change happening when it comes to shifting that perception of who needs to take responsibility for stopping violence? We heard Brenda earlier from Deering saying, you know, there's a lot of talk to girls about don't wear these things um, as if it's their responsibility for someone else's actions um, uh, do, do, uh, this is open to any one of you. Do you see changes, positive changes in that way?
5: I'll take that one, Lori. Um, yeah, I loved what, what Brenda said about, um, you know, victim blaming and that sort of thing. I think for the last few years, we've been going through a shift and, uh, Brenda Stanfield talked about it a little bit about how there's historically been so much shame and secrecy ab- around talking about these things. I think that's shifting um, because, you know, we're talking a lot more about putting the onus on the perpetrator rather than the victim. You know, when, when there's, when a murder happens, um, no one asks what was the victim wearing? I mean, it's just there's such a ridiculous question. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So I think those things are starting to shift, I think, as we're allowed to talk to kids at very young ages and parents, even before kids are born, about how to protect their children, that 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 is going to shift.
0: All right. Thank you for that. Let's go to the phones for just a quick minute. Catherine is in Tacoma. Very quickly, Catherine.
6: Hi, I worked at the Bering Sea Women's Group in Nome, Alaska in 2015 to 2017. And I started a a man's group at the jail to help heal part of the situations that they they go through, uh, you know, with domestic violence. The women and children throughout the villages. And that's another suggestion that I was going to bring up to let you know.
0: Thank you. I'm so glad that we got that call in. And thank you for being succinct. That is important. We have to heal everyone in these situations. And uh, it does take all of us working together to help end violence in, in uh, every way that it happens. Thank you so much to my guests today, Stacey Yates, Jennifer Brown, and Brenda Stanfield. And on uh, the board, our engineer is Tobin Shelby. And on social media and phones and producing today's show is Kavitha George. I'm Lori Townsend. We'll be back next week. Thanks so much for listening today. And take good care. If you need resources, reach out. And um, there's plenty available. There's links on our website, alaskapublic.org. And as we heard today, lots of good suggestions for help. Take good care.
1: Talk of Alaska is a production of Alaska Public Media, which is solely responsible for its content. Views expressed are those of the participants and not necessarily those of Alaska Public Media, this station, or its underwriters. Today's program is available online at alaskapublic.org. This is Alaska Public Media.